Welcome to the Back Pain Podcast with Rob and Dave, the only show geared specifically to help educate you about your back pain. We talk to the experts to bust the myths, break down the science, and give you all the top tips for living pain-free. So if you're driving to work, tidy in the house, or even laid up at home in pain, we have something for everyone. And welcome back to the Back Pain Podcast. Tonight, we are joined by Adam Dobson. Welcome to the podcast, Adam. Thanks for having me, Rob. And we're also joined by co-host Dave. Hi there, guys. Hello. Right. Today, we're talking all about back pain and scans, MRI scans, x-rays, and much more. So kick it straight off. Adam, in your role as an extended scope physiotherapist, how many people do you see with back problems that actually require a scan of some sort? So, yeah, so in a clinic, uh, in a specialist back pain clinic, I'd probably say about 15 to 20% of patients over a given month uh, are referred for imaging on, on the, in this consultation. Uh, just to put that in perspective, um, we receive the majority of our referrals from the GP. Um, so there will be a big group of people who never come to the GP, um, who are kind of self-managing, um, they're, they're finding support elsewhere. Um, and then a group of people will be managed by the GP uh, directly. Um, and, and then only a small group of people are indeed kind of referred to us uh, as a, a kind of specialist clinic. So um, those tend to be patients with kind of high risk disability, using the kind of start back to um, patients with persistent pain. We see quite a lot of sciatica and, uh, and patients suspected to, I guess, have serious pathology as well. Uh, so that kind of fits with a statistic of 90% of back-related problems are not diagnosable on scan, and we'll kind of come to that later on, I think. Uh, so quite a small group of an already small group. So they've already been through that funnel of, of the GP and, and they might have had some painkillers and you know all the other things or self-managed yeah. it, and then so yeah. you've already seen the people that not necessarily have failed that, but you know may not have got any better or... They've not responded you know, or they need responded. some specialist input, yeah. Absolutely. And then, so what, when people mention scans, you know, there are lots of different types of, of scans that you have at your disposal and that people might have. What are kind of the, you know, overview of the most common scans, the <clears throat> types of scans that you send people for? So the most common scans that patients are referred to in the clinic um, are MRI scans and, and x-rays. I think that's the main thing that most people have heard of. MRI stands for magnetic resonance imaging in, in simple terms. Um, MRIs utilize powerful magnets and radio waves to visualize the structures in the body. Highly sophisticated, versatile. Um, so they're very useful when we want to review a, a range of structures, so joints, um, bones, um, particularly the health of the nerves. So uh, they're useful when we're looking at cases like sciatica. They utilize non-ionization technology, which basically means they're very safe to use. Uh, but the downside of that is they're quite expensive, quite noisy, and um, patients who suffer from claustrophobia often kind of struggle with them as well. X-rays, um, they're a type of uh, radiation, so radiation to visualize the bones in the body. Um, they use short wavelengths, which means that they pass through um, the majority of tissue, but not denser tissues like bones and things. Um, so they're helpful when we want to review the bones almost exclusively with x-rays. So they're useful when uh, we suspect fractures um, and, and potentially in, in cases like osteoporosis when we're looking at kind of uh, any kind of vertebral collapse. Um, the cheap, the tolerated, the downside is they do use ionizing radiation, which essentially with repeated exposure, high exposure can damage the cells. So we have to consider that when we're kind of deciding on that as a modality. It is pretty low and it, it's safe in the majority of people. Um, so th those are the two kind of MRIs and X-rays. Um, CT scans are kind of a 3D version of an X-ray. Sometimes we use those when uh, MRIs are not indicated, which is generally when people have kind of metal in the body. Um, but sophisticated MRIs these days uh, tend to be pretty uh, safe and there's a, a lot of kind of you know, knee replacements. Patients are often quite safe to use MRIs these days, like they never used to be in the past. 
Mm. So, so if you're looking at yeah, you know, the discs and the nerves and the muscles and the tissues as well as the bones, then that's when kind of MRIs are used. If it's just yeah. the bones, then X-rays are generally a better. A, yeah, so a better it, yeah, so it, it depends on the the decision making process. What 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 are we looking to visualize? Uh, what what's the rationale for for picking one or the other? It will depend on the case and context. Um, so yeah, MRIs are probably the more sophisticated version, um, but uh, X-rays do have a, a useful place in in many cases. Okay. So what are the reasons then that you would actually look to order a scan for a patient in front of you? You know, when someone sat there and they're you know you think this person needs a scan, you know what what are the other 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 you know other reasons? Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's useful to kind of take a bird's eye view initially. So kind of a panoramic view of the problem. So there's two main considerations. The first one is, is what we want to rule something out. So if we have a high suspicion of a serious pathology, um, those namely um, the four kind of main considerations, I guess, at fracture, um, uh, stress fractures in particular, cancer, infection, and, and a, a very rare and serious disorder called cordial syndrome which I think is probably discussed on your previous podcast. Um, so just to say sinister causes um, account for just like one to 2% of, um, of, of kind of all back pain problems. It, they are very rare. Um, and obviously we would be looking at the context, we'd be looking at patients' individual kind of case and weighing up if we think there is a, a potential for, for a serious underlying pathology. Uh, so that's the, the kind of main, that's the first indication. The second indication is if we think the imaging is likely to kind of open up a treatment door. Okay. Um, so I've got some examples. So imagine we've got patient A um, who has six weeks of buttock pain, calf pain into the foot. Uh, they've got numbness down the leg. Maybe we've assessed them, they've got weakness in the foot as well. So they've got some degree of neurological loss. Uh, patient uh, B um, have six weeks of manageable buttock pain and calf pain on assessment. And when we assess them, their nerve function is normal. Now, so if we, if we consider patient A, uh, imaging might be helpful in that case because we might want to be considering um, uh, a specialist injection for the pain. Uh, if they're not managing, or we might want to consider uh, a surgical opinion, or we might want to look at the health of the nerves because of that weakness in the foot. Okay. Um, the second patient, um, if they're managing well, um, you know, they've only had the pain for like six weeks, um, we might look at other things exercise, education, medicines, management, a good dollop of reassurance. So, so the first case, you know, the, the, the treatment avenue is going to be quite a lot different based on the scan potentially, or we might need to review that. But the second patient, we already know what's going on. So imaging in that case is not going to change our treatment. So we can justify not sending for a scan. And, and actually, just to kind of touch on that, there's a general misconception that you need a scan to treat people or, the, the, or you need label to, to, to definitively help people. Um, and, I, and I just don't think that's true. Um, you know, ruling out serious problems, um, looking at the issues that the patient has in front of you, um, and then facilitating some change around those things is just as meaningful and helpful as, as, um, as kind of running people through scans that, that may not even change treatment, okay? If we were not gonna consider those things, then what value is the, the, the scan offered in, in that case? Now, there will be caveats to that, of course, um, but as a kind of bird's eye perspective, those are the kind of two reasons um, that, that I think most clinicians would agree with. Um, uh, ruling out serious or sinister pathologies or highly likelihood of a change of treatment plan. And, and we kind of discuss these Things. I often think it's good to look at the end before we look at the beginning. So kind of say, you know, where would this take us? You know, what avenues might this open up? And have a, a, a genuine discussion around, um, you know, treatment doors that might open or, or indeed that they won't open at all. 
So what about if someone is in severe pain and, you know, they're kind of really wanting a scan? Does severe pain justify the, you know, that something is serious enough, serious enough to warrant a scan? Okay. Um, probably uh, it depends. Famous last words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we probably want to consider a number of factors, don't we, really? I think that the the pain severity into itself is quite a blunt tool. Um, so I think, first of all, we want to consider broader context. Okay, so um, when we've examined our patient, we've, we've looked at the history, um, signs and symptoms, and we have that kind of wealth of information. If a person's telling us that they um, the, the, the pain is unremitting, um, maybe they've lost weight, they're feeling unwell, potentially the history of cancer, for instance, then that severe pain, or indeed pain distribution, often people can say like move around into the tummy or moving kind of into the legs. Now we might consider that bigger picture um, as a kind of a warning sign or a red flag, and we might want to review for something sinister. Okay. So we're looking not just at the pain severity, but the, the broader kind of picture. Uh, on the other side of that, um, you know, there's many, many um, fairly safe musculoskeletal problems that are very, very painful. Um, sciatica <laughs> is up there. You know, people describe exquisitely painful leg pain. And I see it every day in the clinic where patients are, um, you know, it can be fairly um, unremitting leg pain, but, um, but the majority of sciatica is safe and, and uh, has a good outcome. Equally, straining your back, you know, pull, lifting a fridge, as me uh, and Jack Marsh discussed recently, can be extremely painful. Um, you know, strain, strain a joint in your back, it can be extremely painful. Um, and But in those cases, we kind of understand that those things have a general bell curve of recovery. You can support people with, with that. Um, scans aren't necessarily going to change the outcome of, of those cases. Equally, kind of flare-ups of ongoing back problems. You know, back pain can be very scary. It can be very um, kind of worrisome. And, you know, people feel that they're kind of stuck. Um, and, um, you know, so, so the kind of emotional side of that experience as well, I think just kind of heightens everything, uh, particularly when you're kind of, um, you can't do the things that give you meaning in your life and, and you're a bit stuck. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I don't think the pain severity into itself is, is it's too blunt a tool to, to use to make a decision about imaging. Yeah. So, so it's not because my pain is 10 out of 10, I need a scan you know it's more the quality the type of pain the location those are more the kind of questions you go into about the pain which will help you to be one of the tools that will kind of lead you to considering imaging yeah. if you if you go down that route yeah i think that if, if a problem is um you know if a problem is um if there's a lot of meaning attached to the problem if, it, if it's if it's you know people often talk about kind of pain memories so if you've had a previous experience of pain um that that had you out of action for many, many weeks, and it was an awful experience. I think that a similar experience further down the line, you know, it can kind of take you straight back there. Um, mm. so, so that kind of emotional, you know, I don't want to be like before. I think it just kind of stokes the fire a little bit. It just intensifies things a little bit. And, 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 and pain is subjective, isn't it? You know, so uh, what I, why I consider nine out of 10, I, I'm suffering, I'm scared. You know, it's, it's not just about the experience, it's everything else around it as well. Yeah, and, and the fear of loss and, and you know, the fear of lo what you might be losing and everything you get associated yeah. with, with being in pain, which is, which is scary, you know. And, is, you know, if you've never had this before or have had it fairly recently and it did have a severe impact, it's understandable why it's, why it's such a big impact. And is that why, you know, one of the reasons that, people ask you or you know what are the reasons which people ask you that they feel needs a scan is pain a big one or are there other ones as well so there there was a quality paper just published this year um and i think i maybe put it in the show notes um yeah we kind of looked at um looked at the beliefs of patients and a particular cohort and scans and, and the the general premise in 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 that scan was that 
patients believed the scans would show a structural problem that would explain the pain and that something could be done about it. So there was, there was a, you know, scans are very, considered very valuable um, by patients, generally speaking. And, and I think this, they're almost seen as the gold standard. Um, and this is consistent with what patients tell me every day in the clinic, that, that I just need to know what the problem is and they must be a fix for this problem. So we, we, we assign meaning to pain. And I think it can be quite validating to kind of say, I just want to know what it is. Um, and, or indeed, that, that they, what it is may lead to a very kind of um, definitive treatment. Um, so, so, so I think that, uh, you know, in the back, we often blame, we'll kind of get into it in a second, but we're often blaming the pesky discs, uh, those little blighters. Um, we're kind of pay, blaming bad posture. We're, we're blaming, um, you know, there's a very disc or tissue centric kind of thinking about the back. I think the back is particularly um, relevant for that. The back is almost like the main area of those kind of beliefs. Um, so, yeah, so the, this kind of uh, pain equals damage, identify the damage in my discs, my joints, and my, in my nerves. So, so, yeah, that's very consistent with the literature. So, if I then flip that on its head, and someone listening to this, um, you know, you might have heard some horror stories from a friend who had a horrible diagnosis or something a bit, a bit scary, and she's kind of thinking, well, you know, what's the downside? You know, if I just have a scan, and it shows there's nothing seriously wrong, you know, I don't have a tumor or I don't have cancer, you know, what, what is the downside of just, just sending Mrs. Smith for a scan? Yeah, so the, there's kind of two, two parts to that answer, I think. Um, so I'll kind of break them down a little bit. Uh, so bear with me. <laughs> so the, the first thing I would say is around the interpretation of findings, okay? Um, the kind of potential interpretation of any possible findings on the scan. So in 2015, there was a big uh, study done on scans um, and uh, they were very interested in knowing what people without pain look like on scans. Um, so up until this point, it hadn't really been done in any kind of big way. Um, so they were kind of looking at 3,000 scans. So they put 3,000 uh, people through a scanner, um, people without pain by the way, and, and they were, wanted to know what they look like on the inside. So they, they did MRIs and CT scans and they observed them and documented them. The age range from 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50, all the way to 80-year-olds, so quite a big spectrum. What they found on that study in, in people without pain is that, um, let's kind of look at some particular things. So disc bulges, 30% of the 20-year-olds in that study had disc bulges. Okay, 60% of the 50-year-olds and 84% of the 80-year-olds. Now, if we look at something else, disc degeneration, which is essentially a kind of observable narrowing of the disc. Um, and that's 30, important, just to clarify that, that's also known as yeah. degenerative disc disease. And, and yes, that, yeah. the triple D. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, 37% of 20-year-olds, 80% of 50-year-olds, 96% of 80-year-olds. Now, if you just look at that stat into itself, there's clearly quite a linear relationship. So the older you get, the, the more prevalent these findings are. Um, so it's true that we age on the outside, but I think it's often not discussed that we actually age on the inside as well. You might call it wrinkles on the inside. And, and what we now know is that the majority of these findings are actually dictated by genetics uh, in the mainstay. And, and, you know, this kind of idea that I'm wearing my back out by moving my back and exercising my back. I don't think that is fully supported in the literature. Um, <clears throat> and there's a couple of studies looking at twins that kind of showed that. Now, it's important. I'll kind of come back to my first point about routine scanning. I think it's important um, because we see or we would see the same changes in patients with back pain. Okay, all of the same changes that we see in our patients without pain equally because pain doesn't, um, it doesn't stop us from aging, um, mm. are also seen in, in, in patients without pain. So the, the concern of routine scanning, I think, is often this kind of erroneous conflation between the structures seen on scans and the patient's experience. So the worry would be 
that your patient goes for a scan and there's obviously an expectation that these things are naughty findings. And then inevitably they are then seen on scans. Okay. Um, and those things could be misinterpreted as, um, as the cause of pain when they may indeed be normal findings and not predictive of any pain. Um, so, so I'm not saying that this, I'm not saying that all disc related changes are irrelevant, for instance. So we're kind of zooming into discs there. Um, a, a disc may, in some cases, in cases of sciatica, um, disc related changes may be a relevant tissue compressing a, a nerve root. Um, and that might be relevant, you know, in, in terms of that, that patient A that we mentioned. So, so it's about kind of looking at the context and saying, what would we expect to find based on all the information that we have? What would we expect to find if we did a scan? And how do we think that it will change treatment? Because if we don't think it will change treatment, then, then, then the question is, why are we doing it? Okay, so that, that's, that's, I think that's the main point um, about that kind of interpretation uh, of, of imaging. Um, the second thing is, is, is evidence of outcome. Okay, so a lot of words on, on scan reports are, uh, they're pretty scary. So disc degeneration, um, fissures, um, arthritis, arthrosis, um, bulging, protrusions. They have a fairly negative connotation, don't they? Um, so that they're often kind of, you know, if we liken that to machines or um, to, to you know, cars and bridges, the general premise is, is that we're wearing, bodies are wearing out and disintegrating. So I think if, if we just kind of read these things off to patients willy-nilly, then, then yes, we're going to ascribe them to our problems, but people are going to start developing a lot of potential negative consequences. So we see it in the clinic where um, it may lead to more rest, uh, where people are worried about degenerating their backs further. Um, they, they could be given up exercise, which we know is really important to manage back pain in many cases. It leads to a lot of worry and distress, which I think can actually make the problem worse over time. Um, just today, I, I was chatting to, to a person um, uh, had a, a scan order by um, the GP and um, her scan uh, the scan results were text messages to her they were, they were sent to her in a text okay which it, it's a bit unusual into itself but just that that translation of information it's like how is that person being counseled how's that mm. person having the opportunity to discuss these these findings in a sensible way? How does that then relate to their, their problem? And I think that the, the unfortunate reality is some patients get stuck with this information, and I think it can be quite negative, um, kind of downstream effects, as it were. So it's that information, but without the proper context given yeah. for what that means, what it doesn't mean as well, um, yeah. uh, and what that will actually um yeah, what outcome that's that's going to have, rather than just a barrage of potentially um, uh, confusing or worrying words that we know as negative, but actually in some contexts might mean nothing or something fairly inert. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that uh, I mean there was a study in 2010 where they actually looked that early scanning led to um, greater likelihood of surgery, um, more prolonged disability, and higher medical costs. So, so there, it does seem to be that, that in, in some cases, um, imaging is bad for your health, <laughs> which uh, is, you know, an interesting statement. But I think it's very true in, in, in many, many patients, I think. And I think, it, like you said, there's also, there's a huge, uh, I mean, we're not going to get too much into kind of the, the reporting and radiology of scans, but the, you know, also a lot of these words are kind of used interchangeably, whether that's arthritis yeah. or degeneration or arthrosis or, you know, annular fissures, you know, a lot of these words get thrown around and yeah. your belief or interpretation of one word might mean very different to another. You know, if someone Absolutely. says, you know, disdegeneration, it might not mean a lot, but it, excuse me, it might not mean a lot, but if they said, you know, arthritis, and then that was told you arthritis and then your mother had suffered from arthritis, you know, for the last 30, 40 Absolutely. years, then yeah. that's, and then, you know, or, and someone had told you crumbling spine, you know, which is the horrible term that, you know, is like thankfully yeah. being 
used less and less and less. But you know, the, the point being that if, if you've been told you have a crumbling spine and then you come and see someone like us and we try and yeah. get you deadlifting, for example, or doing some squats and you have that mental picture of your crumbling spine, you don't really want to go to pick up. Exactly. Yeah. You're not going to want to pick up something heavy off the, off the floor, which actually we know is going to be making far better that your worse. Backbone. Yeah. yeah. Which, and, uh, then making it worse. So, and this is that, that negativity kind of coming into it. So that interpretation is so, so important to, you know, un- yeah, understanding I, those words and those. Yeah, absolutely. 100%, Rob. Um, I'm not going to pick on GPs too much, just using that as an example there. No, um, but Because GPs play a, a, an excellent role in, in the pathway that I work in. Um, <clears throat> but sometimes it's just that, that off-the-cuff mention, it's just arthritis. It's just arthritis. You know, and, and the, the meaning of the GP would be that it's just normal changing. It's just normal changes. It's what I would expect to see, is what their intention was, but the message has been interpreted quite differently. Um, so it's, it's, it's that, that, that um, the deliverer and the intent and then the message received can be quite different, particularly, as you said, Rob, my, my mum was riddled with arthritis, which I think is an awful word. Um, but um, the, the translation of information can be quite negative um, and, and, uh, and it can be very difficult to, to kind of pick that apart, I suppose, if, if, it's, if, if it's gone on for a long time. Um, yeah. Oh, definitely. And I guess the other kind of downside of routine scanning is, is how it's going to change the management of it. Um, yeah. So whether it's actually going to change, you know, is it going to change the management of yeah of that patient in front of you yeah yeah so so just to go back to the the original kind of point that i made so if we don't think there is serious pathology um if there's no evidence for that um and it's unlikely to change management um then there's a strong argument to say imaging will not be helpful for you um but which i think is cha- a challenging kind of statement to make um it, for the for the general kind of populace's opinions on um, but I think that there probably needs to be kind of better health literacy about the relative utility, benefits versus um, negatives of imaging. Um, and, and, and hopefully that can kind of change over the next couple of decades. I suppose there's a, there's a timing element as well, Adam. So mm. it's by having that imaging, if it's not going to change the course of treatment, to then go and get an image, you're putting another step in the way of, of that patient receiving care. Um, yeah, so, 100%. you know, you've, you've, uh, even if it's a, a week wait till, you know, you get an appointment, you've then got to wait for the report to be reported back. Um, yep. We're all yep. manual therapists here. That's three weeks away from them getting on the bench. Um, <laughs> if, we, if we know the treatment, uh, well, direction, and we've got a, um, a good quality working diagnosis, we're, we're just putting extra steps in the way of them get feeling better. By Absolutely, which time they yeah. might actually be feeling worse. Yeah, yeah it's, a good, it's a great point, Dave. Um, yeah, I think that, um, you know, we can identify factors for change in the clinic. And, um, and, and we probably want to be putting our energy there, don't we? The things mm-hmm. that are ultimately going to improve the situation, the things that are going to give you confidence to move, things that might uh, help you back feel better. And, and I think that the, the expectation uh, sometimes is that it, the, the imaging is the magic bullet. And... and um, so, so we're kind of holding off with the real treatment, um, <laughs> yeah. which is sometimes the fix. And, and, um, and that can be quite tricky to, to broach in the clinic. I'm, I'm sure you'll agree. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's a really good point, Dave. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so, I mean, are there any, any other reasons to scan? Um, you know, obviously you see a lot of people who, as you said, who have been through that kind of funnel. They might be in severe pain. They might have you know, been kind of seen lots of other people. Is kind of reassurance a good reason to scan ever? So um, I think we've we kind of said it off air. So, so imaging isn't an absolute decision, in, in my opinion. I think that, um, you know, we're trying to develop a collaborative kind of um, kind of partnership with the patient. And we're very, into, I'm very interested in, in patient views and I respect the views. And, uh, and I think that, um, if, if we glean further information throughout the process that we think might be relevant to those two main considerations, um, absolutely, we can decide to scan. You know, we, we might go, okay, we've got new information. Um, maybe you're not responding as I might have expected. So 
that sciatica case that we mentioned, um, the patient B, um, mm-hmm. if, if that pain kind of lingered longer than we'd like, maybe they had a, a recurrence of pain, you know, we might then go, okay, it seems reasonable now to move to the scan um, and, and look at other options. So that, that is a, a malleable decision and, um, and we can change our minds on, on these things. Um, yeah, no, I think the reassurance, I, I, I see your point, that, that sometimes if we're kind of we're at a bit of an impasse and, and the patient kind of feels, I just really want to know. And, and uh, there the have been cases in the clinic where I have sent for patients for what you might call reissuograms. Now, if that's useful to facilitate education, to facilitate change, and to move them down a path that ultimately is most helpful, then, then absolutely, I, I've done that in the past. But I think that it all depends on the context and um, the kind of the abilities of your practitioner to do certain things, because obviously it might be a process back to the GP or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm fairly reasonable on that. But, but I think also patients need to know um, what the scan would likely show, the, rel- the implications to those findings, and what it would likely change. Okay. Um, mm. Because I think it's important. Definitely, and I think when I when I reach out to patients now, when I if I refer people for a scan, and I think you know I refer a lot less people than you do, because um, I'm in that I see them first off, um, you know, so yeah. I will refer less people than you. And when I send people, I'll explain to them we are looking for X, um, yes. you know, yeah. whatever that might be, with a view to doing Y. They might also come back with a load of other stuff. We don't really mind about that, you know. That's probably you know normal normal for you normal for you know whatever it is whatever you know whoever that person is in front of me but you know is that you know preparing that patient for you've, you've got to prime the patient you've got to educate them i often think it might be useful and i'm kind of been thinking about the idea generally about a kind of bit of a cue card or something that we can kind of jot down the reasons and uh something that they can put in the wallet um these are the reasons for your scan and uh, these are not the reasons for the scan. They take that away, they read that, and then they need to bring that again for the review appointment with the scan. And then we can go, just look at your card again. You know, what was your, because I always check what is your understanding for, of why I sent you for that scan. And unfortunately, in many, many cases, if it be there's lots of information going around the consultation, we decide to go for a scan. There seems to be a big drop off in terms of how how much information is retained, and, and that that's a, a kind of big thing generally. Um, so so maybe that kind of cue card to kind of come back to that. So so then there isn't um, when the patient then scan comes back, let's say normal, that then there isn't this kind of big disappointment that that there isn't the cause hasn't been shown. Um, and I think that might be facilitatory to then putting the focus on uh, in other places. Uh, for any listeners out there under 22, a cue card is like an app, but on paper, um, made of made of paper to put in your wallet. What an app, what you put an in app. Your, uh, okay, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Yeah, what's uh, a wallet? TM. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Have we not seen those Ridge wallets? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want one of them. Um, now, Adam, now this might sound like a bit of a weird question, and this is a naughty one, listeners, because it's not on our list of questions. But actually, do you know what? It's something I get asked a lot in clinic. Yeah. If the patient in front of you is one of that um, uh, 5, 10, 20% that you've sent off for an MRI to guide the, uh, the practice of, uh, well, uh, to guide them going forwards, once they yeah. feel better, if they're doing really well, do they need another MRI after that to show them how well they're doing? Absolutely not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> no ta-da moment? No, here's no de- definitely here not, now. no. So, so yeah, uh, no is the short answer. Um, so uh, sciatica or, or back pain or any kind of it's a clinical diagnosis. So um, the information that we glean about a person's problem is all about signs and symptoms, examination findings, um, you know, um, all the things that we take from the history and the examination in the clinic. So uh, that's what we call a clinical diagnosis. Um, a radiographical diagnosis is only relevant in light of the clinical diagnosis. So we could have, sounds a bit extreme, but we could have uh, a compressed nerve root, a big 
a largely compressed nerve root, but that person doesn't have any nerve pain, or, or maybe they don't have any pain at all, and it was picked up incidentally. Now, you could argue that that finding is not relevant in light of their clinical presentation. Now, that's a very extreme example, I appreciate. I mean, there, there was an example, um, maybe you can add this in the show notes, but there was an example of a pregnant lady recently, I think it was fairly recently, um, and she had some routine imaging for a different reason. And what they noticed is um, that she had a pretty high-grade uh, kind of lithesis. So there, there was one of the bones had moved forward on the other bone, which meant that the space for the spinal canal was dramatically reduced. And you could argue that the nerve roots were being compressed. Okay. Mm. But that person didn't report any pain. Okay. So just a good example of our biology, our tissue resilience, it varies wildly um, from one person to the next. And we know things like stress and poor sleep and, and lots of different factors can affect um, how resilient our tissues are and how likely you are to feel pain. Um, so, so that's the kind of long answer, I guess. But the, the short answer is no. Um, you know, if we have a resolving case, um, then, then, you know, these things aren't, they're, they're not kind of linear. You know, they're not linear going to improve. We just want to see that there is improvement. We want to see that we're moving in the right direction. So sciatica is very stubborn. Yeah, as, as you chatted with Tom recently, it's a very stubborn disorder. And uh, it can take a long time, sometimes weeks and months, to fully resolve in, in many patients. So if we're kind of seeing a downward trend, that's as much evidence as we need. So the improvement is evidence of the improvement enough. We don't need further. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that brings us on quite easily to, to the next point, which are, uh, and the proper point I was meant to ask. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so how good are scans at actually locating the source of pain? How good are these scans at finding the exact point of pain? Um, again, you're going to hate me for this, but uh, not very much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so scans don't show pain. Okay, that's not what they're for. Scans show structures. They show what tissues look like. And we need to make sense of that in light of our patient's presentation. So they're pretty good at ruling out things if we have a high suspicion. So the serious pathologies, what we call the red flag pathologies, cancer, fracture, um, nerve compressions, cordial infections. So they're good when we want to rule things out because we, we you know, desire for an infection or there isn't an infection. You know, obviously that is debatable, but as a black and white kind of viewpoint, we can review for that and we can rule it, rule it out. Um, so, so it's good at ruling out things that we have a high suspicion of it, a ruling out. Um, the other side of that is scans are so, they're so highly detailed that they show a lot of things in a lot of people. So we, we kind of chatted off air about this as well. So birthmarks, um, extra bits of bone, uh, joined up bones, um, uh, kind of incidental curves in the, in the spine. So it's scoliosis, very, very common, very, very common um, in almost in a lot of people that, that, uh, that we send for scans. A lot of these things that are just not clinically relevant. They're normal findings um, that we're just picking up because MRIs are so sophisticated but it doesn't mean it's clinically relevant. Cysts, in some cases, you know, lots of these things, we need to weigh up their relevance, and it may be that they're just not relevant at all. Okay, so we need to review them, we need to understand them, um, and uh, the radiologists involved, the referring practitioner will be involved, um, and that's why we have such a broad MDT approach with these things, to have lots of eyes on them. But we know many of these things are incidental. Now, the other thing I would say is that um, I think there's a bit of a difference between structure changes being relevant to, to pain, which is what scans are very useful at looking at. But there's another side of this where there's an argument to say, well, these tissues may still be sensitive to pain. It may be that the scans just can't pick these things up. Okay, So um, muscles and ligaments and joints and discs you know, discs, as you, as you said in your previous kind of chat with Dave uh, Poulter, um, they do have a nerve supply. And these can be the source of pain, 
Um, it just doesn't necessarily mean that they're injured or damaged and that we can pick them up structurally. So you can have a disc bulge. It might be sensitive, but it might also be the ligament or the joints and, and all of those areas on that left side of our body. But it doesn't mean that the appearance of the structure is re the relevant finding. It may be that just those tissues are sensitive for other reasons that we're going to explore. Okay, so going a little bit off piste, but if you can't relax your back, if your back's not exposed to moving and bending, um, if, if we know that um, you know, maybe there's some back fitness kind of elements there, all of these things make tissue sensitive and sore. They're not picked up on scans, though. That's through a very well-to-do, uh, thorough examination and a conversation that we have with a physiotherapist or a chiropractor or a specialist musculoskeletal clinician. No, that, that's, uh, that's a really interesting point, actually, a really fascinating point. And, you know, we spoke before, when, as you mentioned with David, about the discs and looking at discs and MRI scans. And he made the point that, you know, a disc is a photo, an MRI, sorry, excuse me, an MRI is just a snapshot of a photo yeah. of a back at one particular time at one particular place. You know, there's no yeah, static. It doesn't show, you know, a it doesn't show where the pain is, but it doesn't show necessarily where the problem is. It doesn't show what it's like, at, you know, what it was like yesterday, what it's like the day after, you know, it's just that. Yeah. And I think his point was, what was his example? He said, it's like looking at a wedding photo and asking to pick up the drunkest person. You might have an idea, but there's no way of knowing, you know, it's just a snapshot. You know, it's not a good, yeah. a, a good overall picture. A good, a good, another example uh, would be if, if we're talking about when structure might be relevant. So we, we talked about that sciatica case. Maybe there's some nerve root compression. If, you know, we've got to be honest about these things. Now, if we've had a, a rapid change in the disc and, and maybe there is a, like a herniation um, and some of the disc materials moved out of the disc and it's sensitizing that nerve. So there's been a rapid change in the disc. Um, now, those changes, um, they can cause you all kinds of bother, but many of those changes actually get reabsorbed back into the body. Okay, so, so even when we think that structural changes are relevant to the problem, those things aren't static, and those things can be reabsorbed, and there's lots of research to show, uh, kind of case studies to show where they've done scans uh, at the time of the problem, and then you know, weeks and months later, and, and the back looked quite a lot different. So that, that kind of disc protrusions being gobbled back up by all the kind of nerve cell, the, the kind of white blood cells and things, reabsorbed into the body, maybe goes back into the disc. But the body can heal and it can change. So even when the structure changes are relevant, it's not necessarily a static problem. That makes sense. Oh, yeah, very much so. And, e and even the largest disc herniations and bulges can heal. So it's not yeah, a, yeah. and we know that, you know, that, that even the biggest ones that, that we see, you know, can a they can cause no pain, but then also be you know in two years time, one year time, six months time, they can have easily reduced by seventy five percent, eighty percent, if not if not completely gone. Yeah. So you know that that can happen. So it's not a uh, you're not written off by any way just because you have a, a super you know I'm sure super would have described that you know the largest disc bulge they've ever seen on an MRI, and I've had yeah. a patient yeah. who's told that once, you know, which doesn't sound very good to hear. So I think we'll kind of move on, you know, that kind of wraps things up. You know, the last question I kind of wanted to ask you was, you know, what is the actual process as for you or for anyone, you know, who yeah. not wants a scan because, they, they, you know, they can't demand one, but, you know, in terms of to, to get a scan, there's lots of talk around GPs can't order them and physios can't yeah, order yeah. them, you know, who can, who can't. Yeah. So I, I work as a, a triage practitioner in the, in the triage clinic I've, a big part of my job is as a triage specialist physiotherapist and we are we work as a kind of a the kind of linchpin of the north of england back pain pathway okay and so i think that is kind of stemmed out of what you call the national back pain pathway so maybe you can kind of maybe link that in the show notes and some of the and the nice guidelines as well which i think are useful for this um and that was kind of brought in to kind of streamline and improve the flow of care from GP to practitioners like me to rehab specialists and other kind of medical people as, as appropriate. Okay, so, um, so say you're struggling with your back, you go to your GP, um, uh, they will make a decision, it's not resolving, okay, we need a specialist opinion, um, and they would then refer you to me. 
Now, if there was a suspicion of a serious disorder, those red flag disorders, absolutely your GP can order scans. So it's a misconception that GPs are no longer allowed to scan patients, but it's more to do with, is it appropriate? Is it helpful? Have we had that conversation with our patient? Have we discussed the prognosis of the problem? You know, if, if you've had a problem for less than six weeks, uh, you're managing, we can look at medicine management, um, you know, nerves are working okay, there's no sign of any red flag disorders, there is a good chance that your problem will resolve with good, high quality care. Okay, so in that case, that is not that the GP is withholding a scan. It's, it's more that this is just not going to help you in your, in your care. Okay, um, but if there was a suggestion of a serious pathology, absolutely, that they, they can, they scan and they do scan. You know, so some patients that we see in the clinic have already had scans by the GP and that's more than appropriate. Now, beyond that, if there are, if the case is more complex, um, if there is a kind of sciatica case going on um, and they need some specialist input, some specialist care, um, then that's often left to us to do. OK, so we can make that specialist decision. We can work them up. We have more time as well in the specialist clinic. And it's probably more appropriate in many cases. Okay, so we can have those longer discussions. We can counsel our patients on the, and, and all those kind of issues that we discussed around patients getting text messages with scan results probably would be mitigated. Um, so, so and, it, and it does work. We collect data on all these kind of things. Um, but equally, um, you know, we may refer a patient to a, a medical colleague, an orthopedic surgeon, maybe a rheumatologist. And of course, they have their doctors, they, they can scan if they feel it's appropriate to, but outside of, of the kind of um, the pathway and the kind of NHS set up in the Northeast, obviously um, uh, private practitioners, chiropractors like yourself, uh, uh, osteopaths also have the ability or the access to, to early imaging. And so I think that sometimes it's quite useful to, to have that early access, but it's about the right scan for the right patient at the right time, as Dave said. Um, is that the same for you, Rob? That so I think in your in your role, you are able to do that as well. Yeah, so so I, so I can refer privately, and I'm very fortunate that I have that uh, availability. Dave, you have exactly the same exactly the same setup. So That's yeah, if someone sees me and I, I can I need a scan or, or you know decide they need a scan, well, I literally refer them, and they'll probably have one within the week. They, you know, that's the type of time frame, so it's you know, pretty quick, and that's but it's private practice, you know, so it, it costs, you know, it's, I don't know how much they charge in Essex Dave over in my way. It's about 300 pounds, 250 to 300 pounds, um, kind of per, per image. <clears throat> that's kind of what, what people are looking at privately. Um, but it's, it's speed and speed and cost. That's what you pay for. Unfortunately. Do, do you find Rob, just a question back to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to interview you, you now. No, um, feel free. So do you find that the, um, the private angle, so, so if a patient's kind of paying themselves um, and they, they would like one for reassurance and they understand that this is unlikely to change management, you kind of counsel them in those areas. Um, there's no evidence of serious pathology. Do, do, you, do you find that the patients, you know, it's their money that if they decide they want to do that? Are you, are you more, is that an easier process in, in your line of work than it might be in mine? Yeah, I think I have less... Um you know, I don't have a boss to justify it to, you know, you're part of it. It's, it's on me and the patient, you know, so if I determine that patient is, you know, it can, can handle it, you know, at the end of the day, you know, and, and depending on the reason for what they're asking for a scan, I think is, is the big part of it. And I'm trying to leave an example off the top of my head, but you know, it's, it's that history of previous injury or, you know, family problems in the past, you know, which might have, you know, scary diagnosis that you know, yeah. they kind of want to rule out. You know, I've, I sent a patient once, for example, who was, terrified she had cancer um terrified she had cancer so this is almost like what you described as a reassurogram yeah. and i kind of explained all the reasons why not you know why it was this was highly unlikely she had a you know mechanical type back pain yeah. um but she said i don't care about anything else i just want to know that i don't have you know something serious pressing on my spinal cord yeah and yeah. you know yeah and, and and i sent her for a scan and she had a scan it came back negative and she Which was it's more than reasonable yeah, yeah. And she was 55 yeah. and she had you know, an mri scan she was 55 and she had some normal you know, normal age related change. Um, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head exactly what she had. And, and she was totally fine with that. Didn't mind at all. And she was actually then 
in my opinion, had a, then a better outcome because yeah, she was confident in her body. Yeah. yeah, and she wasn't walking around terrified that something was seriously wrong. So I, I'm lucky yeah. that I have that access. And I think, Dave, you, you're in exactly the same position as me, really. Yeah, very similar. Often, often patients um, who I'll take hip, knee and shoulder as an example. Um, let's move to extremities, how naughty back pain podcast, but let's talk about it. Um, they say, you know, I can feel bone on bone. If, and and yeah. it's not a, a silly feeling. It feels horrible in there. Um, yeah. But they'll say, I, I feel like it's bone on bone. I, I need to know what's going on in there. Um, a, an MRI in that case could be justified to show that actually it's it's very rarely physical bone on bone articulation. Like you, you would really know about it. Actually, there are some good structures through there. We can work that more with uh, uh, with rehabilitation exercise and uh, some good strength training. So yeah, it's that mm. that reassurogram. Um, uh, this is of course MRIs. We're talking about folks, not X-rays. We don't send. Uh, you'll be very unlikely to be sent for an X-ray due to the radiation uh, worries um, uh, for anything uh, other than anything which is uh, very much um which uh, isn't too steep yeah okay. no, does that answer your answer your question yeah I think absolutely yeah. Uh, i think it's very interesting to see how things kind of fall out in different contexts so we're kind of all coming from the same place initially aren't we um but how things you know is there a question of the purse strings um, and, and there was a discussion um, with Jack Chu a little while ago about that exact thing. Um, you know, that is it different when it's NHS funds to oppose to it with finite um, kind of resources? Does that influence your decision-making process? And, and do patients who are paying themselves, well, it kind of makes sense that as long as they know the, the risks and benefits that if they want to do that, then, then and, it's, and we think that it's safe for like with an MRI. Um, then, then there might, might be an argument um, more in that case. Yeah, and we have patients coming to us as well, and people listening. You know, I'm sure would have been, you know, turned down is probably the wrong the, the wrong word, but have been been told that they don't need a scan, and then they'll then go to a private sector. I mean, we have people ringing up who will say, "Hi, can you send me for a scan?" You know, so they will, you know, query that first before booking an appointment. You know, and then. You know, sometimes to their dismay, they come in more often to their dismay. Hi, I need a scan. You can send me for a scan. And you go, well, hang on a minute. You know, we'll Let, let's draw the reins in and then we go over everything that we've discussed in this podcast. Yeah. So it's a, yeah, it's it, tricky. It's, another, it? yeah. it's a challenging aspect of it as well. Um, Absolutely. And there are some places where patients can refer themselves for MRI. Um, you know, there are some places in the, in the country where you can just, you can send yourself. I don't know of any locally to me, but some places you can ring up an imaging centre. Which and, I think is potentially a slippery slope, I think, isn't it? You know, you know, I, I agree. Uh, to do that. So that wraps up. Sorry, Dave, you're going to gonna jump in. <laughs> Nothing of any use. I was going to say you can have a weekly standing appointment uh, to make sure everything's fine. Uh, yes. <laughs> Full body MRIs, yeah. Quite, yeah. yeah re routine, boys. regular scanning. Yeah. You get that mm -hmm. at the airport, don't you, when you... You stand there like this and they, uh, they do that <laughs> just, just to download those images. Yeah. Great. yeah. Can I have a copy of that, mate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've got that back. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be cheaper to get a flight than it would an MRI. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so that really nicely wraps up today's episode. I think, you know, so we'll touch on I've just got those things. four takeaways, if, if that's yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, that's um, kind of, just, kind of just for your listenership. So I think, yeah, I was going to come on to kind of the, the, the takeaways from my, from my perspective, I think, as well, first. Yeah. Is, and that is the, I think the most important thing to take away is that the picture of this can change. And if you go to see someone or your GP and they say you don't need a scan, that is not saying, you know, you never, ever need a scan for your back pain and we're not going to have one in the future. So don't be disheartened. I'm sure there are people who have been to their GP who says, you know, go to, go to see a physiotherapist first. And, you know, they'll think I've been denied for a scan. I don't need a scan. They don't think there's anything wrong with me. They, they think they're making it up, whatever it might be. Mm. And, you know, and that doesn't mean it will never happen. You know, so, yeah. you know, don't have, you know, putting all your eggs yeah. in one basket type thing. You know, it's uh, these pictures can change. And, you know, you're closely monitored by your physiotherapist, your GP, your chiropractor, your osteopath, whoever you are, you are seeing. You are doing yeah. all these tests on you every time you see them. And if things change the options are still there. So it's a, it, as yeah. you said, it's a malleable option. Just to kind of go to that, that point that you made, it's quite interesting, is that um, the, the general, there's a general perception, I, I suppose, it, it might be quite an unfortunate perception that, that when people say um, there is nothing wrong, 
you know, you don't need to scan, there's nothing wrong. Well, clearly you have pain. This is wrong. This is not right. You know, having persistent pain, having disabling pain and the, and the hold that has on your life, there is something wrong. Um, but sometimes it's just, it's more about what factors are involved and, and what things we need to put our energy in. So I think that not, not needing a scan doesn't devalidate your problem. It doesn't devalidate your experience. It doesn't mean that you're not struggling or that, um, that, you're, or that help is on hand. So I think that when it comes to the therapy side and, and um, the support, it can be very powerful. And I think that that shouldn't be underestimated. No, I, I, I totally sense. agree. So for people listening, you know, if you had to, if you had, you know, the key messages from today's yeah. episode, you know, how would yeah. you kind of summarize the, you know, 40 minutes that we've just been chatting for, which is probably easier said yeah. than that. Okay. So uh, four main points then. So um, my takeaway for patients thinking about scans generally, but also in the clinic, number one, scans are important, but only for a small group of patients with back-related problems. Okay. Many findings, number two, many findings seen on scans are common and people without pain and do not predict pain or future function. Number three, reasons for imaging should be discussed prior to referral with a cue card, um, <laughs> along with expected findings and potential treatment implications. I think that's really important. That at the beginning, we're, we're kind of getting that in and we're, we're getting that memorized and, and going back to that. And then number four, Patients should then be counselled following scans in a sensible way that avoids potential harm. None of the crumbling discs, none of the degenerative backs. Let, let's move away from that. Let's be positive and, and focus on what patients can do and um, be sensible with the words that we use. So that's my thought. Fantastic. That really, really nicely sums it up. So, Adam, where can people go to find out a bit more about you? Uh, yeah. Is it social media? Is it any blogs? You know, what, what are we looking at? Yeah. So I always forget my Twitter thing. <laughs> I think it's ad, at Adam Dobson123. So I'm, I'm, I'm very kind of um, very chatty on Twitter, spend a lot, probably too much time on Twitter, if I'm honest. Um, so um, I'm always chatting about all things backs on Twitter. I'm happy to engage with patients uh, or people generally. Um, so I'm on there. The other thing is, as a part of my trust, uh, South Tees uh, NHS Foundation Trust, we've developed a lot of brilliant patient-facing uh, resources on our, on our website, um, going around uh, contemporary understanding of back pain, um, lots of information on scans, lots of information on uh, treatment options, and uh, so it's brilliant. So uh, South Tees Back Pain into Google, uh, the first link that comes up, click on that, go to the education section, tons of, of resources on that and we're very proud of them so that's Fantastic. me <clears throat> i love it and um do you know what we if i can if i can reverse this a little bit gents we've been talking about patients who are after scans so these these, these people who come and see um uh, therapists doctors uh, uh whoever it is and they want a scan and they're worried about being denied it there is the other aspect as well. If you're if you're a listener at home and you're worried that you've been sent for a scan, if it wasn't what you were after, and you feel yeah. like um, uh, you've been sent off and that's caused you to worry, as we've said earlier, if we reverse engineer that, that does not mean that you have you inherently have a problem underneath or that your pain is yeah. worse or your condition is worse. It means the therapist, yeah. doctor, specialist is looking for either a change in the course of treatment or treatment outcomes or checking for any underlying issues that might interfere with treatment or guide you down a different path. It doesn't mean you have something more wrong with you or I've got to be sent for an MRI. That must mean something bigger is going yeah. on. Um, or if I so, haven't been sent, there must be, yeah. That's it. So um, yeah, if you're, if you're listening to this from the other angle and you're, um, you're worried, yeah, do, do not worry. Yes, yeah. Brilliant. Fantastic. Uh, well, guys, I think that brings us uh, roundabout to the end. I mean, what a lot of information in this, in this session. Yeah. I absolutely loved it, Adam. Uh, uh, listeners at home, uh, listen to this two or three times, honestly. There, there's so many 
golden nuggets in this episode. Uh, go to your social media of fave and uh, follow Adam. Uh, pester him for days, hours, <laughs> in the wee hours of the morning about all things back. He three in the morning. It, <laughs> That's it, yes, yeah, only at 3 a.m. Yeah. I've done that. <laughs> fantastic Uh, Adam thank you so much for joining us Rob thank thank you you. so much for setting everything up no worries thank you guys Thank 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 you thank you for joining us thank you awesome over and out over and out